0: Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of At the Table. It is Jackie King, and I'm so glad that you are joining us for another episode of Talking Women in Leadership in the SBC. Today, I get to introduce to you my real-life friend that I'm really pumped about having on today, Christine Hoover. Christine, welcome to the show. Hey, Jackie, thanks for having me. We have been lamenting about all of the rain and grossness that we have been experiencing here. So, wow. um you told me about a what did you call it, a sun lamp,
2: a heat lamp, what is that? Oh. Yeah, well, I take vitamin D and I have a sun lamp that I use in the winter because where we live, which is Charlottesville, Virginia, we are in the mountains of Virginia. It is so gray and cloudy all winter. And I'm from Texas and I miss the sun (laughs) and the warmth. And so I had to get my sun lamp.
1: All right. I'm really thinking that I need to look into one of these because um, I'm sure most of the country, I think, has been under snow and rain the last couple of months. And so I'm very much going to look into this. And I know many of you that are listening are thinking that I have a monopoly on the Texans. And I kind of do. I'm really (laughs) excited to have my fellow Texan on. (laughs) We were talking about Tex-Mex and sopapillas and homemade tortillas. And there was just some kindredness in that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Um, And you can brag on Texas fully.
2: us a little bit. like Who are you? Where are you from? All those good things. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Texas, as we just talked about. And I didn't know that people didn't know what sopapillas were, Jackie, <laughs> until I met people not from Texas. But um grew up in East Texas and Tyler, and I went to Texas A&M. That's where I met my husband, Kyle. And after we got married, he went into full-time vocational ministry. He's a pastor. And we actually got to Uh, be a part of a great church in College Station. It was actually the church we went to in college, and he became the college pastor at that church when we got married. Um, And from that church, we were sent out. It's been 11 years now, but we were sent out to move to Virginia to plant a church in Charlottesville. And that's where we live. And a lot of people have not heard of Charlottesville, but well, until a few years ago on the news, uh, there was Charlottesville all over the news, but it is the home of the university of Virginia. And that's, we wanted to come to a college town and, and start a church that taught the Bible and was big on discipleship and reaching students and not just students, but we love the energy of, of students. So Mm -hmm. that's where we are. And we have three boys, there's 16, 14 and 12. And in addition to serving in our church, which I love, I also write and I have a podcast and um, get to teach in our church, but also elsewhere. So that's me. Yes, lots of similar
1: things. Um, And I'm so thankful that you're a little bit ahead of me um, in the parenting journey of three boys and that y'all are all still loving each other and alive. Um, So that's encouraging just (laughs) in and of itself for those of you that are listening. (laughs) I
2: actually love having
1: teenagers.
2: I always tell everyone it is something to look forward to, not something to dread.
1: Oh, I love that. That's a good encouragement for sure, especially for those of us that are still in the midst of um, some of those elementary fights and brushing your teeth. (laughs) Does it get better? Do they actually start brushing their teeth regularly, like on their Ah. own?
2: Well, that's still something that we talk about, the importance of hygiene, the importance mm-hmm. of remembering your deodorant every day, but okay. it is sinking in with the older two. So. Okay,
1: good. There is yeah, hope. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jesus, come quickly. All right. Well, I am really excited about we're going to dig in today with the topic of friendship. So we're going to talk a little bit about friendship and leadership, and then at the end, I can't wait to talk about your new book. But one of the very first kind of conversations that you and I had and were a part of was talking about how how Friendship is kind of difficult for leaders, um, and especially with the different roles and stuff that you get to play with, not only being a pastor's wife, but a teacher, um, a podcaster. I mean, there's so many different roles that you get to kind of fill and step into. And so I want to talk about why friendship, why community is hard for leaders. So let me just kind of start the conversation with that, just in your own experience. And as you've kind of rubbed shoulders and walked with other leaders, why do you think friendship is such a difficult
2: thing for us? I, well, I think it's important to note that friendship is hard for everyone. And it's mm. been really good for my friends to kind of push back on me on that when I say, oh, there's, you know, things that happen as a pastor's wife. And it's true, there are things. But for them to say, well, you know what? I, I feel the same way or I experience the same kinds of things. So that's always really good for me to hear and to remember that that everyone struggles at some level. But I do think there are some things that come along with leadership that make it, I would say, not necessarily more difficult, but more complex. And and for me, what those challenges have been in in my own experience, it it has been um, experiencing things that I can't always talk to other people about. And so they're things that are very important to me. So related to the church, uh, but my friends may be in the church, and so I can't necessarily talk to them about something that is a huge part of my life. I mean, what I'm talking about are when there are comp- there are conflicts or there are behind-the-scenes decisions that I I can't really talk to anyone about. And I a few years ago, I read Andy Crouch's book, Strong and Weak. Have you read that mm, book? Yes, such a good one. Yes. Well, I think the chapter he talks about leaders – in relationships is is worth the price of admission he he -hmm. gave words to the struggle that i felt in friendship and he he calls these things hidden vulnerabilities that we have that a lot of people would not realize that we experience and it's they're things that just come along with the territory. And and so what I just described about not being able to always talk about some of the things that are going on, that's a hidden vulnerability. And I Mm -hmm. think it's also a hidden vulnerability that most people assume about leaders that they don't really need anything that they're, they're good. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't need help. They don't need encouragement. They don't need like they don't even maybe need the mutual type of friendship that we, we actually all enjoy. Yeah. And so I think those are hidden vulnerabilities that, that we face in leadership.
1: I think that's so good. And really, I see, I think that's such a good book, by the way. So if you're taking notes or like if you're a spot to where you can kind of make a mental note, it's a really great book to read. Um, But even this topic of vulnerabilities and the reality of one just addressing this is my reality as a leader, Um, because I think we can kind of like either hide in a space to where it's, well, I don't need this or I don't get this because I'm a leader, or we end up operating in a space to where it's... um, Everything is guarded, everything is calculated, and we don't ever experience that community and that vulnerability that God wants us to show. Yeah. And so, and I think everybody would say like, good leaders are those that lead authentically and mm-hmm. lead vulnerably and not from a space of knowing everything. But then at the same time, there's kind of this internal wrestle of, well, how do I do that and not get hurt? Right? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So let's kind of talk a little bit about what does starting these friendships or even after you kind of recognize, okay, I need
2: people. I need to be vulnerable with people. What does that look like as a leader? Well, I'm glad that you're saying what you just said about we need that because we are human beings. Mm-hmm. Leaders are just like everyone else. We are designed to be in community and we need the ministry of the body to help us to grow and and to sanctify us and so we need these kinds of relationships to where we are in vulnerable conversation where other people can encourage and challenge us and and, and it brings sanctification. So we do we need that. And I think a lot of times as leaders, we, we make ourselves the exception. I think sometimes we are our worst enemy when it comes to relationships because of what you just said, the self-protection, because we get hurt. We get hurt yeah. in relationships. And again, everyone does. Uh, but I think we sometimes can hide behind the role. And it's easy to hide because people don't often know what to ask or how to press in to the leader. And so we can hide and we can begin to just keep ourselves disengaged relationally. And so I think what we have to do, this is what I have had to do. I've had to stop and think. Okay, there are different kinds of relationships, and most of my relationships are going to be in one category, and that's ministry relationships. I'm going to enter into times with other women from my church or my community, and I I am going to think of this as a ministry relationship, and not that I'm not open to it becoming friendship, But friendship is mutual and a ministry relationship is one where I'm going to give and not expect anything in return. Mm, And so to think of it like that has helped me to not become (laughs) bitter, um, Mm -hmm. to not get my feelings hurt, but to say, this is a person who needs something and I... Because I love the Lord, I want to meet this need. But a friend, how I can recognize that a relationship is moving into the friendship category is if there's some mutuality that's happening. So when I ask a question, that maybe not that exact question, but I'm getting some of that back. They're showing interest in me as a person. And that for me, what I look like, I look for in a friend is somebody who sees me as a person. They're not relating to me as the role, as the pastor's wife, mm. but they see me as a person and they're pursuing me as a person. And so when I experience that mutuality, and of course, this all takes time, it doesn't happen in one conversation, but as I begin sensing this person is really I, I feel I'm interested in getting to know them more and they're showing interest in me. That could potentially be someone who moves into the more of the friendship category. So even just having those categories has helped me mentally to be able to think about how I interact with people. I think that's so
1: good. Okay. So I want to go back to kind of what you've started with, with expectations, because I think for a while I fell into this trap, especially as a pastor's wife and like leading other staff wives and stuff at churches to where I would go in thinking, okay, we're mutual, right? Um, mm-hmm. and like we're, we're on the same team and we're doing the same kind of ministry. But then I had these high expectations of hoping for something back. And then that would be like a giant disappointment, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I love that you're, even starting out the relationship with don't expect anything back like almost kind of having that boundary of this is something where I hope to pour into them to where I hope God uses this and then if and when it, it kind of, I guess, develops or becomes something more, then you're able to kind of put that guard down and maybe expect more. But I think a lot of times, at least for me, and kind of looking back at some of the relationships that really frustrated me, it's because I went in thinking that we were peers, we were equals, and they weren't looking at me that way.
2: I don't know, yes. what do you think? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I've done as well. And I think, for me, releasing some of the expectation even of who would be my friend. So I love that you just brought up other staff wives or pastor's wives. A lot of times we think, oh, those are just natural friends they they should be my friends because they're in my same spot but we may not connect as easily as i might with somebody who is not in that role and so Mm. just being open to who god brings me they may be 20 years younger than me they may be and have a different marital status or you know they may not understand what it means to be a pastor's wife but they may have a they may be leading in some way where they can relate to me um But just being open to that, like kind of Mm -hmm. expanding the borders of who we think might be that person.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And I think there's even that mindset of like, I think we kind of go into relationships with this cookie cutter expectation Mm -hmm. of it, you know, of like, okay, well, my best friend is going to look like this almost kind of like we did younger, you know, like, okay, well, we're on the same softball team, or we're on the same dance team. And so surely we're going to be best friends. And then we kind of translate that into adulthood. And that doesn't always work, right. Um, And so I love how we're to be open, how we are to pray. I think that's a big part of just asking. Asking the Lord, who do you have in front of me that will love me well, that will be a safe place? And then I think the next step that kind of goes into this conversation is being brave enough to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's kind of go there, especially because honestly, like all of the conversations that I've had with so many leaders... Like, I think we are some of the loneliest on the planet. And we kind of operate, especially women, in a way to where we want to serve, we want to pour out. But then that input, whenever it comes to us in our own spiritual lives, like we don't give as much attention to that as pouring into others. So let's maybe kind of talk a little bit about... What does that vulnerability look like? And even fighting some of the lies to get a little bit courageous and just call that a lie and maybe address even the hurt and the disappointment that's happened before to where we're able to walk in freedom in these new relationships. What do you think?
2: Well, I I would define vulnerability first. So we understand what we're talking about when we talk about vulnerability. So vulnerability, how I define it is it is sharing on an emotional and spiritual level about something that is happening in the present. So I don't mind being vulnerable about anything that's happened in my past with anybody. I'll tell you, this is what God has done in my life. But what's happening in the present, that's often things that are more uncertain. We don't we don't always feel confident in. We don't really know what's going on, what God is doing. That is That takes risk to share mm-hmm. that with, especially as a leader to say, I don't really know what I'm doing um, to, with other people. And so I think we are not going to be vulnerable with With everyone. No Mm -hmm. one should be vulnerable with everyone. Mm -hmm. But who are one or two people in our lives where there's mutuality built in? It's already happening that we can say to them, I have a need, or I don't know what I'm doing right now, and I need your help in this. That's vulnerability to ask Mm -hmm. for help, to ask for prayer, to say, This is what's going on. And for me as a pastor's wife, I said earlier, a lot of times it's difficult to share the details of what's happening and i've learned to kind of work around that by saying i can say general things i can say to women in my church who i'm close with i can say you know something is something's been going on and and these are friends who would not press by the way these are safe Mm -hmm. people who are not going to press for details but to say there's just been some tough things going on. I'm feeling like Kyle, my husband, is, is has he's been stressed or whatever it is. And I feel I'm carrying that burden with him. I feel discouraged. Just to talk about in general terms what I'm feeling, it doesn't have to include the details of the situation. Mm-hmm. That in itself to me feels vulnerable. That they, they can pray for me. They can um, ask appropriate questions that don't go into the details, but... I want to do that with people who who I consider safe people. When I say safe, they're not going to go telling other people what we've said. They're not even going to broadcast that we were spending time one-on-one together. Mm, to yeah, me, that's, that's important. Big. That, that's big, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that just knowing and, and looking for those people, and if you're new to a situation, a new church, a new context, it may take time. In fact, I would say let it take time because mm-hmm. you really want to know someone before you take that step of vulnerability. But it's so worth it. It's risky, but it's worth it because connection happens in vulnerability. Yeah, I would agree. And I think there's so much
1: to vulnerability and allowing other people to see our weaknesses, to Mm -hmm. see when we struggle. That is God's beautiful way of saying, you don't have this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love how you said asking for something, like I have a need and being vulnerable enough to ask for it. Because I know so many times in my own life, you know, like I'm operating on my own strength and I think I can do this, you know, like there's nobody else. And that is when the enemy just tries to come in and steal. So, much joy and purpose. Um, And so it constantly fights back against the truth that we are to do this with one another, that we are to do this for one another, you know, and fighting for one another. And so even the opportunities to say, what do you need? Or this is where I'm struggling. Could you pray? Those kind of things like really sets this level of your leaders are human too. And so I think that there's been almost kind of this disconnect of like trying to live on a platform and trying to act like you have it all together. And really what connects us to people most is, hey, I'm in the trenches with you. You know, like we may be walking through different things that look very different, but we're still struggling through a lot of doubt and having to trust the Lord with our future and those kind of Mm -hmm. things. So I love that even just having the courage to say, I'm not okay today can you pray for me? Um, It's huge and humbling. And I think we need those moments as leaders to say, I don't have it right now. I don't got
2: this, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and also I would add, I have started telling my friends, the ones that I do consider, those mutual relationships, I need you to ask me about this. I need Mm -hmm. you to, there's certain things that I want you to say and ask me because other people are not going to do that. So Please, you feel free. You have yeah. access to me. Ask those questions. I want that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I love, I mean, it's so simple, but there's so many times to where I have been, like, with um, another staff wife that I'm thinking of that's a really close friend, and she just asked, I'm like, I don't think you understand, like, you just asking, how is my week going, like, how are you really, not just the pat question, you know, but how are you really is something that we don't get very often, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's also something as leaders, um, Just this deep burden in me, like I want to encourage leaders. That's a big part of why we have this podcast. And so being people that ask, how are you really? And checking on your strong people, checking on the people that do so much and pour out so much for other people. And... and asking it and then, again, being willing to say this is where I'm not okay. So I love that. Yeah. I love that you've got almost those checks, you know, because we can kind of river into our own, like, junk and just sit there for a while. And so having that accountability of how are you? How are you fighting this? How are you putting truth into your mind and into your soul and, and having those people around? I think that's great. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's shift a little bit because I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about this amazing new book that you've got coming out in March. And so I'm so excited to talk about it. Why don't you tell us the title of the book and what On earth, like how did you land on writing this one? (laughs) Because it's a hard one. I don't even know how you like worked through all of the allegiances, which we're about to talk about. Like, man, this had to have been like a really heart and soul work. So tell us about
2: it. Well, it's called With All Your Heart Living Joyfully Through Allegiance to King Jesus. And this came about just through God's work in my own life. I was going through a period, I would say a few years of feeling like God had taken me into the wilderness. And I Mm -hmm. felt just so confused and uncertain. And what was he doing? And I just felt like I had lost all sense of confidence and purpose. And I was confused and struggling. (laughs) And uh, I really noticed I now see God took me in the wilderness for a very specific reason, that he wanted to reveal the idols that were in my life. They all just came right to the surface during that time because I found myself looking for certainty and security and confidence and safety and, you know, belonging and so I was going through this period of time and at the same time during my personal study I was reading the book of Matthew and I noticed something I had never really noticed before in reading Matthew that Jesus kept talking about the kingdom of God over and over and over and he was describing what the kingdom of God was like and he was telling people how to enter the kingdom of God and he he was setting himself up as the king you know that he was going to die and resurrect and he, that he is the king that god promised and so i putting these two things together as i'm experiencing this wilderness and i'm seeing all of these things that i'm turning to instead of him and i was like why am i doing that because as i'm reading matthew i'm seeing he is saying that his kingdom is peace it is joy it is getting him mm-hmm. and so god began to show me just the importance of recognizing first of all, understanding the kingdom of God, because I didn't understand what that was and what that meant, but also seeing that I have a king. And Mm -hmm. if I'm bowing myself down to these other things that I think will give me security, then I'm not going to find what I'm looking for because they're not meant to do that. They cannot hold the weight of my faith. And so seeing Jesus as my king and recognizing who he is, he is worthy of my allegiance because He is one who can give. He is a king who gives. And that's really the theme of the book is that Jesus is a king who gives. So when we seek him for the things we're looking for, he's actually a king who can give. Whereas these other allegiances that we hold to, whether it's um, comfort or it's worry or it's control, when we when we pursue joy and peace through those avenues, those are kings that only take and lead down this road to, toward death. But Jesus is a king who gives. He, and when we when we seek him and give him our wholehearted allegiance, he gives us what we're looking for, that joy mm-hmm. and that peace. Mm-hmm. So good, and I want to kind of
1: like backtrack a little bit because I think this is really important that Christine is graciously kind of saying, you know, you were in the middle of leading well, like speaking. I mean, your podcast, everything, and the Lord drove you to the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a starting point. And as we talk about your book, because there's so many of us that I think are in seasons to where it feels dry and you're trying to figure out like, what are you doing, Lord? You know, like maybe... um, you've been in your position for a while. I know y'all had been at your church, you know, for a good while. Yeah. Um, and like just things in life kind of started shifting. Mm-hmm. And that really is what God used to drive you into this new little season of like seeking him and figuring this out and exposing these idols. Yeah. And if we're honest, like we all have these idols. And so I know we're about to step on toes a bit. um, But I think it's really important for like, we can be rocking and rolling and like in our ministries. And yet we are still, very much wrestling in the desert alone with god trying to figure out god what are you wanting to do with me you know like what what is happening here so when you write about these false allegiances i'm curious like the top one maybe that you kind of wrote about and are addressing or maybe that you even saw in your own heart and soul what is that allegiance that you constantly ran to and what did that look like
2: well, that's a good question, Jackie, <laughs> and personal, but no, I-, I It is I, vulnerable, I, yeah. right? As, after we talk about vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, and I absolutely do not mind sharing because I actually wrote about it in the book. Yeah. And so I I write about this process that I was going through in the wrestling. I was, at my the first lines of the book say, grieved and starved. That's how I felt, mm. grieved and starved, starved of- uh, what i wanted which was the love and admiration of other people that was that's my false allegiance i often go to and it's not just meeting the expectations of people it is that i do not want to disappoint them so mm-hmm. i will work and work and work myself uh, to the bone to keep people happy to keep people you know humming along whereas I'm not, I'm, I'm grieved and starved. And I've, that's what the Lord has shown me. That's what he shown me, showed me in the wilderness. That a lot of what I do comes from this motivation of wanting other people's admiration, approval, love. I want to belong. I want to be accepted. And so that the driving allegiance behind all of that is, is not disappointing people is meeting their expectations. So that's what he showed me. And he showed me also that it is specifically in those times of wilderness that we turn toward these things because mm-hmm. we're looking for stability and that and that's that's how he showed me. He took me in the wilderness to to bring in this instability in my life to show me where I was turning instead of him and that th- that it didn't matter if a hundred people lined up. And encouraged me and said, you have ministered to me. You have impacted my life. It did not matter. It would not have been enough because I was seeking it in a cistern. As Jeremiah 2.13 says, when we do that, we're seeking water from a cistern that cannot hold it. That's so good. Like you're stepping on my toes
1: um, a lot, a lot. I think you're probably stepping on a lot of our toes because... I see this in my own life and like really that fear of failure, that fear of, um, not measuring up always roots back to all of the things that I'm doing to try to keep up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I can see this even in my own life to where there's this constant, like not having the ability to say no, because we don't want to disappoint people or we don't want to have them think ill of us. Um, I mean, there's so much that I think just from this root of approval that really fleshes out even into other unhealthy disciplines, right? And yes. other unhealthy ways that we kind of walk out our walk. So kind of coming off of your wilderness journey and writing this book, talk to me a little bit about what freedom looks like, like where you're taking women to in this journey of really laying down that approval from other people that is constantly going to be vying for us in different, different faces, right? You know, different roles that we play. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to live free in Jesus?
2: Well, for me, what I keep going back to is, again, recognizing that I'm turning toward these things and then thinking about where does that take me? Is it really going, is there really an end to that that's going to satisfy me? No. And Mm -hmm. and Jesus, when he says, come follow me, he's, that's an invitation to joy and peace. He is joy and peace. So when we seek him for approval and love, we get it. And Mm. that's what we're looking for. So I have to remind myself of that, that his call to come and die, to come and follow him, that is an invitation to joy. So when I do that, I am seek in him, I'm seeking joy. Uh, One thing that's been really helpful for me also is, is practically learning how to say no. And so you mentioned that, and that's Mm -hmm. a huge one, but learning how to say no, because I know what God's priorities for me are. And if I'm mm. resting in his love and his approval that I have in Jesus, mm-hmm. if I'm resting in that, I can say no. I can disappoint people. And yes, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to disappoint people. But I don't want to disappoint God. I want to, I want to serve from a place of love, not fear of man, mm, and yeah. so uh, one of my favorite passages that I always go back to is Psalm five, eleven and twelve, and it basically says that God is a shield; His favor is a shield about me. So I don't have to be self protective, and I do not have to constantly be taking the temperature of everyone else around me. God will lead me to where He wants me to serve, and when I when He leads me, it's with I can do it with joy, uh, and but I can I can know that I am. Behind the shield of his favor that he is my protection. So yes, I'm going to disappoint people. Yes, people are going to, I'm going to hurt people. People are going to hurt me. But that doesn't change the security and safety that I have because I am loved and approved of by God. That's so good. So good. And it
1: really does change everything. I wish I could say that I have completely mastered this, but definitely still wrestling through it. But on the days and the seasons to where. I know exactly what he has given me and I'm getting to watch his power Mm -hmm. through me, not in me, Um, but just him working his way out. There really is that joy and that peace and that fulfillment. And any time that I start to get into seasons to where I'm anxious or I literally start to feel that tenseness in my body and worrying about, oh, my goodness, what if she does this, you know, or what if this fails or the event doesn't go, you know, and like my brain just starts going. That's really when I start to listen to those voices of approval and fear of man and i have taken jesus off of his rightful throne and put someone else there whether that's success or a person or my own image all of those yeah. things and yeah. so um i think it's a good kind of gut reality check for us of if you're maybe in that season of tenseness and your brain won't stop in overdrive that maybe <laughs> you're worshiping something other than jesus and yes. so I really want to encourage you to grab a copy of her book once it comes out. I think you're doing pre-orders right now. Is that right? Yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit? How do we connect with you? How do we point them to the book? Give us all of those really good, fun connection points.
2: Yeah. Well, you can always find everything on christinehoover.net, my podcast, and my books, including my new one, With All Your Heart. And we are doing pre-orders through March It comes out March 3rd. So up until then, you can get a study guide and a printable if you pre-order the books. I'd love for you to do that.
1: Very good. Okay, last couple moments. Here we go. For those that are listening, you know that this is our, our tribe, our women leaders. What's maybe one kind of leadership nugget that you would like to leave everybody with? Oh, my. I know. That's a
2: I know. Um, Well, I would say in line with what we've been talking about, one thing I've had to learn the hard way is to be intentional about rest and Mm -hmm. actually taking God at his word and practicing a Sabbath rest. That is not something that my husband and I did for the first, I would say, 10 years of our ministry, and we had the burnout to show for it, and so... That is something that we have been very intentional about doing. And I think when we rest, we're really fighting back against these allegiances we just talked about Mm -hmm. to where we realize we are not God, we do not keep the world spinning, and he keeps working while we rest. And so I would say the biggest key for me in long-term running the marathon of ministry is to practice
1: rest. Mm, That's good. We actually have an episode coming up soon on burnout, that very thing. I think so many of us are um, either Teetering on that edge, or we are fully there, yeah. um, and so I think that's a really good word that honestly is really kind of circulating through a lot of evangelicalism right now because yeah. of how life is. And so, um, this is our encouragement for you to take a nap this afternoon, <laughs> or if you're yes. working, a stroll, a walk in nature, yes. something without your phone, Put down without. The phone. Yes, yes, yes. So we will hit on all of those things at a later episode, which I'm excited oh, to good. share with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but y'all make sure to grab. A, copy of Christine's new book and connect with her. Man, she is such a sweet person on the planet. And I'm so thankful that you are part of our tribe and that you are leading women. You are definitely one that we can mimic and look to and just wrestling it out and walking this journey out faithfully. So Christine, we love you. We are cheering you on and we are so, so thankful for you. Thank you so much, Jackie. That
2: means a lot to me.
1: And thank you guys for listening to another episode of At The Table. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And until then, know that we are cheering you on. Have a great week.
0: You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in Kingdom Mission. Thanks for listening.